at the end of the day, when you're a freelancer, you're an entrepreneur, like you own what you're doing. So you don't have to just stick with one site. That's the whole point of all this and going out on your own and not having the quote unquote, you know, stability of a salary is that there are no rules and you can do whatever you want. So I'll say to people, they're like, oh, I'm making a thousand dollars a month on Fiverr. That's not quite where I want to be. And I'll say, well, why aren't you also on Upwork? Oh, well, you know, I was like, what, well, if you made a thousand dollars on Upwork and a thousand dollars on Fiverr, suddenly all of your bills are covered and boom, you're all set. And there's no rule that says you can't be on both. So it's kind of up to you what you want your business to look like. What, you know, what channels do you want to use? And, and I think that's what's so fun about it. It's totally up to you and whatever you want to do, however much time you want to put in, don't want to put in, it's totally flexible. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 107 of That Remote Life Podcast, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, I'm very excited to be joined by Alex Fasulo, a freelancing expert who to date has made over $1 million on the freelancing marketplace Fiverr. If you're a freelancer or considering joining a platform like Fiverr or Upwork, this is the episode for you. During the interview, I got to dive into Alex's freelancing business and get a better understanding of what makes her different and how she found so much success on a marketplace that many people fight over $5 gigs on. You will learn how Alex was able to increase her prices from $5 per gig to over $1,000 a gig. Why showcasing your personality and brand is so critically important to stand out on these freelancing platforms and how to leverage premium freelancing platforms to boost your income almost overnight. Before we jump into the episode though, I do want to ask, are you listening to this episode on a podcasting app or are you watching it on YouTube? Well, if you are just listening to the episode, make sure you check out our YouTube channel where you can actually watch these interviews in video format along with much more content related to the digital nomad lifestyle. Starting in April of this year, I'm going to be publishing a lot more videos over there related to digital nomadism, entrepreneurship, and much, much more. So uh, if that is something you're interested in, definitely check out the channel and subscribe today so you don't miss any of that content coming next month. To find my YouTube channel, you can just head on over to youtube.com and search my name, Mitko Karshavsky, in YouTube. And I know that that's not as easy as it sounds, uh, but hopefully soon I will be able to get a prettier, easier to type in link to find that. If you want to check out the full show notes of this episode and a list of resources that we mentioned, you can find that over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 107. That's episode all spelled out followed by the number 107. And I also embed the YouTube version of these episodes on those pages as well. So that is also an easy way to find the YouTube channel if you want to subscribe. But All right, you guys, I won't hold you guys away from this interview any further. Let's dive into this conversation with Alex Fasulo. All right, Alex, welcome to the show. How's it going? Hi, Mitko. Thank you for having me. 
I know I'm super excited uh, to have you here. So the way that we connected was uh, my friend Omar messaged me and he said, hey, I think you should meet Alex. I think you should have her on your show. She's done a million dollars on Fiverr. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's chat. So yeah, I'm super excited to have you on here and to talk about your journey with freelancing and all the really cool things that you've done on Fiverr and beyond Fiverr. So I'm, I'm excited to be here to chat about it. Love Omar. He's the best. So he told me about you as well. So I knew this was a good pairing. Perfect. Well, okay. So before we kind of dive into any of the freelancing stuff and any of that, I was doing a little bit of research on you before we hit record. And I ran into a very interesting thing that you said in an interview. So in an interview, you mentioned that probably the craziest thing you've ever done was that you were hired by a British royal family member to edit the texts that they were sending to their girlfriend? Is that correct? Girlfriend, girlfriend or boyfriend. I could not, there was no like pronouns. I, I didn't know if it was a man or a woman who was messaging me. Um, oh. So it was more like generic, but it was definitely apparent that it was somebody in the royal family. <laughs> Wait, so, okay. You don't have to say who it is, but- do I don't think know. By any, oh, you don't know? I was going to say, no. did they by any chance have like, you know, a documentary come out with Oprah recently? <laughs> was it one of those? Oh, <laughs> well, you know, this was six years and five years ago now. So it was long before Meghan Markle existed and everything. Mm. So it, it definitely had nothing to do with her. Um, it sounded to me like it was a woman's text that I was editing that she was sending to a boyfriend. Um, but I don't, it wasn't, I don't think it was like a high, high up prominent one. I think it was one of the more like peripheral of like the 20 of them. Is one of the peasant I, royals. Yeah. Is what I could yeah. kind of get from the text messages. They were, it was definitely somebody who seemed, um, unwell, a little unwell or just needed, I think some help. So was it, were you, so was the person who hired you the Royal or was this somebody else who was like, listen, I'm talking to a Royal. No, I need to make was, sure this is buttoned up. You know, it was the person and it's actually quite funny because I've gotten a few very high profile clients, a bunch, and I can't say, but since Fiverr's anonymous, they all use Fiverr because they don't want it like getting out. Um, So it's kind of like written into Fiverr that I can't say who, or I would get in trouble. And I slipped up once and I uh, mentioned a high end jeans company that I worked with and I almost got in a lot of legal trouble for it. So I know better now, but yeah. That kind of stinks though. I didn't know that about Fiverr because obviously one of the really nice things that you can do with like, you know, saying that, Hey, I've done really good work is, you know, you say, you know, I've worked with XYZ company. Like once we worked with an agency that I was uh, helping my friend run, uh, we worked with um, Swarovski crystals. And even though it was a very small thing, we were like, we've worked with Swarovski. Like it was everywhere. Yeah, I know. That's definitely a, a setback with it. Um, I had like, I can't, Oh, I can't say, but like I recently, I wrote a press release for like a, a really hot, like prominent guy who's an entrepreneur right now and on clubhouse a lot, wink, wink. Um, and I got to write his press release, which is really cool, but I can't say. <laughs> awesome. Well, you'll tell me off, off air. And then, yeah. you know, that's yeah, yeah. so before I'm curious, so I know that, um, you got started when you were just 22 on Fiverr, what were you doing beforehand? And I know that you kind of quit your job and then jumped into Fiverr. So what were you doing before you quit your job? And then like, why were you like, why did you quit? Cause it sounded like you were just one day you were like, I'm done. 
<laughs> um, yeah, so I started working when I was 21. I graduated a year early and I went to work in Albany in politics. So I was doing uh, like writing for politicians and stuff. And actually then even 21 into 22, I was on Fiverr, but I was taking it so not seriously. Like I was doing an editing order here and there. That's when I got that crazy text message editing order. And I wasn't taking it seriously. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'm making 40, $50, who cares? So I moved to New York City a couple months later because I was like classic, you know, from a small town in upstate New York. I wanted to go challenge myself the usual. And I took a PR job in New York City and I hated it so much. I mean, you know, it could be half my fault, but how they advertised the position versus what it actually was, was not the same thing at all. And I knew enough about myself to know that I needed to do something creative in some way to feel happy each day. I did know that because like come from a family of artists and stuff. I've always liked to paint, make jewelry. Like it's definitely a, a big part of me. And this job had zero creativity to it. And that was not what I would, you know, what it was implied to be to me. So every single day while I was working there, I was like having a breakdown. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? Like, this is terrible. I can't do this. And I would freak out every day for four weeks. I, every day I would freak out. And then I eventually just quit because my brain like couldn't go on another day with it. It was making me so upset. <laughs> and um, I quit. I would say to people, that's the best thing I ever did. And that's why I now get on social media and try and encourage people to take risks and stuff because it definitely paid off for me. You mentioned that your family are all artists and that you see yourself as a very creative person. Do you, where do you see the similarities or, or the overlap with art and like entrepreneurship? Oh, that's a, it's a great question. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I'm selling a form of art. I'm selling my writing. So, you know, that's a big part of what I do every day now as a writer is I get to have that like creative outlet with it. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like being an entrepreneur is a very creative thing because there's no rules, there's no framework or anything, or there's one answer to this or one answer to that, you know, there's 50,000 ways to do everything. And it's kind of up to you as like the artist to paint it however you want to paint it. And I think that's also what makes being an entrepreneur scary because what, you know, you could think you're doing it right or you're doing well, but someone else's opinion could be you're doing it wrong. And you're kind of like opening yourself up, I think, for criticism, which any painter, you know, when they're done with their painting and put it up, everyone reserves the right to say, oh, I like that, or oh, it's terrible. And I think um, that's being an entrepreneur every day. Yeah, I, I totally agree. It's it's funny that you say that because, so by the time that I dropped out of college, I had collected the most credits in art history, which is not something I planned on doing. But <laughs> that's kind of like what I say is like, like, and this I probably, someone else has said this before me, but like I always say entrepreneurship is the art of solving problems at scale. So for me, it's almost like a business is one of the most beautiful pieces of art because like it goes and does its own thing. You know what I mean? So I, I totally agree with that. I love that. You're, that's exactly right. It's like a living, breathing entity almost. Yeah, it's great. I, obviously, I love all things business. I think it's amazing. So were you ever... You said that you're that you're a creative and that your family was very artistic. Were you always entrepreneurial or was it something that you weren't aware of at all? Because like, you know, reading all the things that you've done, it's not just Fiverr. You have a bunch of different businesses. So to me, that says like you are an entrepreneur, you know. So was that something that you feel like was present in you growing up or was it something that you didn't know about? 
Uh, both, because now when I look back on it, I see where it was blaringly obvious at age five that this was me, but I wasn't aware of that. So I tried, you know, I had two corporate or whatever jobs that clearly did not mix with me. And that's kind of why now I'm starting to get very vocal about our education systems and everything and how they don't set us up to like be in touch with what we should actually be doing in the world. So like, I'm mm -hmm. definitely becoming very passionate about that because I wasn't aware of it, but I mean, when you look back on it, I was, you know, at age five, I was making necklaces and trying to get my parents' friends to buy them when they turn around at the parties. I ran like my mom's garage sale when I was 13. And oh, I, this is my favorite one. I used to play RuneScape when I was in middle school. <laughs> that was like the like, whatever, Renaissance game or whatever, middle, um, middle ages game. Right, right, and, right. Yeah. And um, I played it like really hard for a couple years. And then when I was done, I sold my character online and I made like 400 bucks. I was like 12. And my mom was like, what do you, how did you make $400? Like what? <laughs> and it's like, I have so many of those little stories that if you add them all up, you'd be like, well, duh, of course this girl was going to end up where she is. But I didn't realize it about myself until I had to go through that like horrible job quitting experience. And now I'm kind of passionate about helping people arrive at that conclusion without having to go through something like catastrophic. And that's yeah. so awesome because I, so I met somebody once who specifically like their business was that they build products or something like that in a video game. And I was always like, what the heck? Like, like, what? Like, how are you doing that? How did you come up with that? It's crazy yeah. that you were, you know, you, you sold something similar to that when you were 12. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> it's like, re it's really funny now when I look back on it. <laughs> so where did you, you said that you were kind of working on Fiverr before you quit your job. Where did you find out of, about Fiverr in the first place? Uh, I owe that one to my mom, actually. So my mom's like super entrepreneurial. And I did have that influence growing up seeing her be entrepreneurial, which I'm sure has played into my confidence today without a doubt. But she was so when I was working this job, when I was 21, I was just like, basically probably complaining to her saying, Yeah, I'm not challenged enough, you know, because I, I felt like really, you know, not satisfied at this job. So it was just like a very standard, not challenging job. So I was probably complaining to her about it. And her friend had told her about um, this freelancing site, which is Israeli people. Many people don't realize Fiverr is Israeli. And um, he was like, yeah, I've heard of this Israeli freelancing platform. It's based on five bucks. And so my mom, she's like, Alex, why don't you go check this out? If you're so bored every day, like, why don't you go, you know, check this thing? I was like, oh, all right, mom, whatever. She was living in Florida at the time. So I logged on one day while I was at work in Albany. And I remember just seeing this site and being like, okay, only $5. I don't care. I'm 21. That'd be cool. If I can like buy a free shirt every month with five bucks, why not? And I put like zero thought or skill or anything into it. Um, I was already writing and editing at the time at my job. So I was like, no, I'm qualified. People always say to me like, oh, how do you know you're qualified? I'm like, you never actually know that you just do it. And, um, yeah, I started editing $5 flat rate, like for anything, people could send me a sentence. They could send me 10 pages for five bucks. I was like, I'll edit it for you. And I, I loved it. Um, I thought it was great, but I wasn't in tune enough to know like, oh, this is my calling. I still went on to that next job that then, you know, exploded basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. So why, you know, when you said that you quit your job, you had that day when you were like, Hey, I'm done. I can't go forward any further. Um, why go on to 
work fully on Fiverr instead of just getting another job that you felt like was better for you? Um, yeah, it's like, you know, I sometimes wish I could go back in time and remember these thoughts better. Cause I didn't know at the time it would become like critical in my story. I, I just remember just genuine, you know, generally feeling like I didn't want a boss again and no hate, you know, I had some amazing bosses in Albany. They're my friends. Now I love them to death. They are amazing, uh, people, but I just am, I recognized in myself that I did not thrive in a like scenario or an environment where someone else was telling me what to do. Cause I'm one of those people, A, I just don't do well. If you tell me what to do, I'm just classic. I just don't do well with that. But B, I'm also someone I'm, I always have ideas for things. So I really hated being in these environments where I'd come up with all of these great ideas and they'd get shot down. And I'd be like, well, this is, you know, this is so counterproductive to like what I, my potential, like you're shooting my ideas down, but these are great ideas. And that it was kind of that situation where I was like, I, I do not thrive in this type of arrangement. So maybe I need to try something else out or I'm, you know, or am I just another millennial that all the people, you know, am I just another millennial who can't keep a job or all the things that people say, you know, that was going through my head too. I was like, am I being a brat right now? You know, like, what am I, what's going on here? Cause I've always been a great worker type of person. I love to work. So I was like, that's not my problem here. What is my problem? And I, um, mainly just got on Fiverr that night because I had nothing else to do, like nowhere else to turn. Uh, I didn't really put that much thought into it. I was like, I have this Fiverr site, let's check it out. And that was kind of all that I thought at the time. So a lot of people listening to this are likely familiar with Fiverr. Um, I certainly am. I, I've known about Fiverr for quite a while, but for me, Fiverr has always been even though I've done a lot of freelancing and I've freelanced off of other sites like Upwork, I've done my own kind of like, you know, uh, you know, just also off of other platforms, but I've never even looked at Fiverr because for me, it's always been like, it's just for cheap work. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure how I can compete yeah. when there's a lot of other people from other parts of the world that are offering, you know, similar jobs for much, much cheaper. How did, were you able to go from, delivering a service for $5 to then earning like what Omar, the way Omar introduced you to me, which was she's earned a million dollars on, on Fiverr. (laughs) Obviously there's something like there's, you know, the math doesn't add up if you were doing things for five bucks. So what happened there? How were you able to earn so much money on the platform? Um, a couple of things. So, well, yeah, when I was first starting out, I wasn't making a ton of money on it. But I figured out in my head that reviews are currency on Fiverr. So if you have 100 five-star reviews on your service, you can justify increasing your price because people are going to see that you're worth it. So after a year, I went from five to 15. After a year, I went from 15 to 25. And then everything really, really changed when Fiverr actually launched its own program called Fiverr Pro, which was designed to be the top 1% of the platform. And it was kind of their way to get away from their $5 Mm. brand. They didn't want to be seen as this cheap marketplace anymore because they knew that they had some pretty good talent on there. So I was a part of the launch of Fiverr Pro. And that's what took me from you know, like 60, 70 K a year to almost 300 K a year, uh, was just being in Fiverr pro. And that's, I think that's the potential of freelancing now today on any of these sites. If you're in these upper tiered programs that they offer, you're guaranteed six figures. And then, you know, from there now the, my new project is building out my own business. So I now have a team of two writers 
and I'm bringing on some virtual assistants and I'm laying the found like the foundation to make this its own business beyond Fiverr is where you catch me today. <laughs> but it's very much possible over five to six years to make a million dollars on Fiverr if you reach for these higher tier programs, which obviously is very hard work and it's going above and beyond and signing into your account every day. It's there's nothing glamorous about it. Mm -hmm. I, um, it's hard work, but you know, it's available if you want to work that hard. Do you have any tips for people who are maybe, whether it's on Fiverr or Upwork or one of the other platforms like that, to stand out, to be seen as a top um, worker on those platforms? Because, you know, everyone has a lot of good reviews, right? So is it just just getting that many more good reviews or is there something else that you, that they can do to better connect with possible clients? Yeah, this is um this is my whole TikTok. I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but I've kind of boiled it down to the number one thing is being able to brand yourself visually is the most important thing for standing out. So that's consistent photos of yourself that are high resolution, eye contact, smiling, your gig images that you've taken the time, like on YouTube, you know, the thumbnails, like people create those cute thumbnails with all the text doing the same thing on Fiverr. It's really taking the time to brand yourself, use the same colors in each picture and kind of make it look like you're this professional who's opened a storefront that's beautiful and visually stimulating and all these things. But most importantly, that there's pictures of yourself so they trust you because Fiverr is anonymous. It's all online. It's all virtual. There's definitely a very big wall between you and this person you're talking to. So the quicker you can earn their trust, uh, the quicker you will advance through the platform. 100%. And for humans, it's with visual, you know, we're very visual, uh, no matter how much we try and deny that it's a thing. Mm. You mentioned that you're starting to build out a team. And for me, one of the problems that I have with freelancing is that while you get a lot of the benefits of running a business, right, you get to create your own schedule, you get to work with the people that you want to work with, you get to do the work that you want to do. The problem with freelancing, though, is that if you get hurt, if something happens, your income dies, right? As opposed to running a real, a, a, a more regular style business, you create systems and then generate the revenue. You can hire people on. Do you think that people can stay on as freelancers full time and like long term, or do you recommend them more people do kind of what you're doing, which is where like you establish? yourself as a freelancer and then bring on other people to kind of help deliver that service. I think that every single person can follow in what I'm doing right now. And everything that you just said is absolutely true. But I also think it's important that people get two, three, four years of experience in first learning all of the things that I've had to learn to then be able to launch your own business of managing other freelancers. I think you have to put the time in to understand all of it first. So, you know, is a fiber valuable long-term 10 plus years? No, I don't think so. And I think you'd be working too hard for you'd burn out. Um, I'm at the six year mark and I'm starting to hit that point where I am definitely willing to bring other people in and maybe take a little bit of a cut in the meantime to expand out. So, you know, is it's been great for five or six years. Um, it's definitely 
not satisfying me like it used to anymore. But I don't think there's any reason why everyone can't follow exactly in how I'm doing it. And I always, I'm a big um, proponent of side hustles and passive income. So I've kind of taken my Fiverr brand and I've made eBooks, I've made online courses. I have a Fiverr affiliate link. I have a bunch of ways now that um, actually cover my bills with or without me freelancing on Fiverr. And I can, you know, that's the you, you can rest when you hit that point. And I, it took me about five years to hit that point, but I now am no longer, you know, if, if I have no orders on Fiverr next month, I'm still able to pay my bills from the other things that I've set up. So I'm always very, you know, proactive about telling people that like, do your thing for two or three years, you know, get your brand all set up, identify your passions, your niche with all, you know, all of it, and then start to create these products that people can buy from you so that you're not just beholden to your fiber profile. And then you'll feel a lot better. You'll feel at ease with it. Yeah. I think that's something that personally I had a lot of problem with in terms of like freelancing on like Upwork or Fiverr or something like that is like, I, I didn't see the, the big picture. Like yeah. for me, it for my personality, in order for me to go into something like full steam ahead, I need to almost see like where's like the light at the end of the tunnel, so to say. And I never really put together this like, hey, yeah, I'm going to be a freelancer for three, four years and I'm going to be doing all the work myself. But in three, four years, I can hire on people. I can build a business off of my freelancing service. And I think that this is something that a lot of people struggle with is that they say, well, I don't want to trade time for money. Like I want more of like a passive income thing. And they don't necessarily figure out that like, you can't just go to that, right? Like you need to start first and then eventually that's available for you in a few years. A hundred percent. And I think that is a big problem with young people slash millennials is the instant gratification that we all want and expect from everything, being a generation that's on social media all the time. It's like, we want our product and we want it in less than two days on Amazon Prime. And I'm guilty of this in a lot of ways, being a classic millennial. But yeah, I think when it comes to something like building a business out, there is no shortcut to it. And no matter what you do, freelancing or not, you have to put your time into anything that's worth having. There's, I've yet to see someone just disprove that. Um, so yeah. And I, I, people do say like, oh yeah, I want the passive income products. And I'm almost like, in my head, you have to earn those in my opinion, like, oh, okay. Why would someone buy your ebook? Why would someone buy your online course? What have you done? What are you here to share? And I believe everyone has something to share. I think every single person could have their own ebook and online course. I don't think it's just reserved for a select few, but I think you have to get to a point where you earn that. And you have to do your time first for a couple of years to be an expert in whatever it is you're going to teach. And it could be anything. I mean, you know, these people I follow on TikTok are so amazing. It's like, I'm the freelance girl, but I, I follow people who are teaching me about YouTube, affiliate marketing, paid ads. Like it can be anything you want it to be. Uh, it could be making avocado art, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, you can teach it, but you have to get the experience first. You said that when you started on Fiverr, you immediately kind of niched down to doing writing gigs. And one of the things that um, I've bumped into when I'm like coaching people or talking with people is that not everyone knows what they want to do, right? They kind of like, well, I like to do this and I like to do this and I could do that. Do you think it's okay for people to get started doing a whole bunch of different things? Do you think that they need to niche down at some point or do you think... I guess it's kind of like a loaded question, which as a podcaster, you're not supposed to do. But like, my thing is like, are you able to, do you think you're able to build a 
successful business doing just general things? And if not, is it okay for people to start general and then niche down? Or would you say, no, niche down from the very beginning and stick with it? So I would say you have to niche from the beginning just based on a basic algorithm understanding. Fiverr runs on an algorithm, just like TikTok, just like Instagram and everything else. And you know, these algorithms come to identify you and your profile and your services being associated with certain topics and things. The algorithm can't understand that you're a you're someone who does a thousand things. You're a jack of all trades. Like they, the algorithms don't recognize people in that way. They come to know you as the writer, the editor, the whatever. And then you become more effective in the algorithm. Same thing on Instagram, same thing on Facebook. So I would say to people, if you want to explore what you're passionate about, just do that before you make a fiber profile, do free work for people, like make a logo for your mom, offer to write a blog for a business down the street for free. Like there's no shortage of people who need free digital marketing help in the world. Like I promise you, you can call up any local business and they will accept your help for free, but I would kind of explore on your own. And then once you start to realize, Hey, I might, I might like this graphic design thing maybe take one graphic design online course just to get the basics on the software you should be using, do a little more practice and then go on Fiverr and, and open all of your graphic design gigs. Because no, I don't think your profile will be taken as seriously if it's half graphic design, half writing. People will say like, well, they're not an expert. They're just, you know, dabbling in everything. Um, so I do, you know, I do think you have to niche from the get-go, but just, I say to people do free work. I mean, they always want to think they'll be paid. There's not, you know, there's no harm for a month just testing stuff out. I also think that like I am not a big fan of this whole like passion talk because everyone is like, do something you're passionate about. And to me, that puts a lot of weight on like and expectations on finding something, right? While right. I am kind of more in the camp of like, you'll become passionate about whatever people tell you you're good at, right? So if you start with like, we all have interests, so definitely do something you're interested in or something that you like doing, but don't necessarily put so much pressure on yourself to look for your like one true passion because like that will develop the more that you do it and the more that people tell you you're good at it and that you see that you are doing good stuff. Like that kind of develops. Yeah, I know 100%. Sometimes I use the word passion for lack of a better word. Um, but no, yeah, it, I always say to people, you know, sit down with a piece of paper and a pen and maybe for an hour, write down a hundred things that you like to do or that make you happy. And then take those a hundred things and try and group them on another sheet. You know, what, and what group is huge? Is it all related to art? Okay, well now we're, we're heading somewhere. You know, is it all related to gardening? Okay, well, we're heading somewhere. Maybe Fiverr then won't work for you, but now you know you love gardening. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I would say to people kind of do that like brain exercise where you get to just know yourself better and what you like to do. But I totally agree. I think, I think you end up loving things that you do that you're good at. I think, you know, a passion is almost a passion because you're good at it. Um, so yeah, that is, I agree with, with what you said with that. Yeah, we all like being told like, hey, you're really good at this. And all yeah. of a sudden, it's interesting how you're like, I mean, I love doing this. You know, yeah. it's like, totally. so you, when you were working on Fiverr, how many hours a day would you say that you were working? Like, what did a regular day look like for you? Um, so it's changed every year, but in that first initial year, not the editing year, like when I did it full time after I'd quit my job, uh, 
it was out of control. There were like 16 hour days. Um, it was crazy. I was definitely working probably 60, 70 hour weeks. Uh, but I didn't care. You know, I, I'll always say to people, they'll get all worried about that part of it. And I'll say, you don't really mind working 70 hours a week when you freaking love what you're doing. Uh, I can speak firsthand. You know, if you're working for someone else and you hate what you're doing, they ask you to work 70 weeks, it's terrible. But if you actually truly love what you're doing, you love the service you provide, you love that you're helping people, you love being your own boss, you won't care. You, you really won't. Um, maybe after three years of it, yeah, then you start to burn out a little bit and then you start to create these systems. But at first I always tell people, don't let that be what scares you that I was working 16 hour days. It was great because I was making my bills and I was my own boss. It was the, you know, one of the first probably digital nomads that everyone in my life knew. And I was happy with it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned being like one of the first digital nomads in like your family or like your friends. Cause we yeah. were the same with like my wife and I, and it's like, everyone's like, you're doing what? Like what you're gonna, mm, yeah. I don't like my wife's dad, my father-in-law, we just got married. So I'm still getting used to saying my father-in-law, but <laughs> he always says that like, one of the weird things was he got a picture from my wife where we were in Belgium at a coffee shop. And she said, she sent him a picture saying like, Hey, I'm just like, you know, working or whatever. He goes, that's not working. You're doing something else. I'm not oh, quite sure yeah. what that is. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I can't tell you. I could go on all day about what people thought I was doing. With me and my laptop traveling, I think nobody thought anything productive was happening. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, in 2018, when that a CNBC article came out stating that I had made 150K in six months, um, it shocked a lot of people. Mm. Shocked. <laughs> so people were like, wait, you're not just a trust fund baby. You're actually like making money. Yes, yes. No, my gosh, no, no trust fund baby here. I think they just thought I was farm girl turned uh, starving artist who's going to try and be a writer and publish her first book one day. I think that was the category I fell into, plus my nomadic tendencies. And I tend to dress like very bohemian. I think they're like, oh, it's just like the hippie chick that thinks she's going to, you know, be an author one day and like, oh, like pat her on the back. Uh, cause nobody knew what five or no one understood what I was doing when I would explain it to them. I could tell it would just whew, right over their heads cause they didn't get it. I saw, uh, I, I think this is an interesting segue into something that I saw you in an interview had a quote and I might be paraphrasing here, but you said, I believe that the future resides in a freelancing exchange where every company will outsource work on a per project basis. That sounds great. Why do you, why do you believe that? Why do you think that we're headed more in a, cause I, I, I totally agree with you, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on to like, what are you seeing? Why do you think we're headed more into a freelance based work society? Oh man, I, these are the things I love to talk about. I could talk all day about this. Ditto. Uh, so we got, we got time. Okay. Okay. Let me see. And the, and the most simplest way to explain this, it's a win-win, which is why I don't think it's going anywhere. And what I say, what I mean when I say that is for a company, they're no longer paying employee benefits. They're no longer covering your health insurance. If you're not an employee to them, they don't have to pay for a commercial space in a city anymore. That was draining them money. They don't have to deal with you being sick for work, not being able to come in employee turnover, which is a huge, huge problem with millennials and companies are losing tens of thousands of dollars after they train a millennial for two years and they leave and millennials often cite leaving with just 
you know, having to go into an office, they don't want to do it anymore. So if you get to work from home or if you get to work from your laptop and travel wherever you want, the turnover is gone. You're not paying for anything anymore. The actual person, the freelancer who's providing the service is, I mean, countless studies show you're so much happier sitting on your couch, sitting in a bed, sitting on a bus, sitting on top of a mountain. And you just don't care. And COVID also proved that I think people were like 50% more productive being able to work from home. So I know everyone was like bracing themselves, you know, like, oh my gosh, they can't come into work. What's going to happen? And it was quite funny because, and actually employees were happier. They didn't have to come into work and they were willing to go above and beyond for the company when they wouldn't have, because they didn't resent the company anymore because that feeling of a company is taking your time, your life, your work-life balance, your happiness. That's, I think, what makes people resent their employer because they feel like they're like sucking their soul out of them. But if the employer is just giving you this much of work to do every day, doesn't care at all if you have your makeup on, if you decided to go to Nepal for the weekend, they don't care as long as the work gets done, whatever. So that's that's why I don't think it, I think it will become the future for everyone because it benefits both parties so tremendously. I can't see why it wouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I totally agree. I think uh, I remember yeah. I believe this is an interview on Joe Rogan, but I'm not 100 percent sure. But it was Naval Ravikant, who I don't know if you're familiar with. He is the founder of Angel List. And one of the things that he yeah. said was in the very near future, you're going to log on to an app or a website and be inundated with different projects. And you can either say, I'm going to work on this or not. And then when you get the work done, you know, because it's going to be very highly paid work, it's work that, you know, needs expertise because everything else is going to be handled by automation. Yeah. Then you get your project done for two months, go fuck off, do whatever you want. And when you come back, you're going to know that there's going to be more work presented for you. And at the time it was almost like, I see where you're going with this. I like this idea, but I just couldn't quite see the transition. And then COVID hit. And then now I think it's just COVID did a lot of really terrible things, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I think that it solidified this idea of remote work is here. It's here to stay. It works. And it's, like you said, mutually beneficial for all parties. A hundred percent. And I also talk all the time about freelancing news and like what's happening in the industry and I've never seen so much activity as I'm seeing right now. Um, Fiverr and Upwork are about to have a lot of competition for the first time. Uh, there's new sites popping up. There's new softwares that freelancers are going to be able to use to run their own businesses, which mm -hmm. is amazing. And the biggest news of all, which is LinkedIn launching its own freelancing marketplace in September is going to change everything uh, because they're a social media site with 600 million, 500 million daily users, something crazy. Uh, you know, Fiverr has maybe like 4 million daily users. So the, you know, LinkedIn coming into the game, uh, you know, if they do that, of course, Facebook's going to have to launch their, you know, their similar platform. Can't have that. Uh, right. So it's about to just explode, I think. And I'm telling everyone, you know, get in, if you want to do this, get in now. Right. Get in now. Be one of the first people to use that LinkedIn marketplace because you will get the seniority, you know, bonus. Do you recommend that people you know, say like, Hey, I'm team Fiverr and I work on Fiverr. I'm team Upwork or I'm team like LinkedIn or whatever other software. Or do you say like be everywhere? I tell people to be everywhere. And I think they think that I'm the Fiverr girl, um, or that Fiverr pays me to do any of this and, oh no, they pay me nothing. Uh, and often they don't want to align with me in any 
media way. So it's, I'm a, I'm a free agent over here. Um, and I just happen to have had success on Fiverr, but a lot of what I'm sharing, you can apply to any freelancing site, not just Fiverr. So I tell people, guys, like, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You know, maybe Fiverr isn't for you. Like also sign up on Upwork. I did too, when I first started and they have more options today. This new site coming out called Contra uh, looks really interesting. I've been talking with them. They're going to have a 0% fee on their sellers. You know, Fiverr is 20%. So that's going to be very interesting. And they're just launching soon. I say, guys, go make a profile on this brand new site. It hasn't even launched yet. Like, this is amazing. These opportunities that you're about to have. So I tell everyone, get out there and try everything. You know, Fiverr is not the end all be all. I just happen to know a lot about it. Yeah, I, um, I, I couldn't agree more. I love this idea of, you know, having different like avenues of, of marketing, right? So like, look at it as channels, not like I'm a freelancer on Upwork, but exactly. use them as like marketing channels. And maybe like, you know, start with Fiverr, get a lot of reviews on Fiverr, figure that out, yeah. get that to a point where you have a lot of business coming in from there, and then go focus on Upwork and build up that channel. So that way, you eventually come to a point where the work's coming to you. A hundred percent. And I, at the end of the day, when you're a freelancer, you're an entrepreneur, like you own what you're doing. So you don't have to just stick with one site. That's the whole point of all this and going out on your own and not having the quote unquote, you know, stability of a salary is that there are no rules and you can do whatever you want. So I'll say to people, they're like, oh, I'm making a thousand dollars a month on Fiverr. That's not quite where I want to be. And I'll say, well, why aren't you also on Upwork? oh, well, you know, I was like, what, well, if you made a thousand dollars on Upwork and a thousand dollars on Fiverr, suddenly all of your bills are covered and boom, you're all set. And there's no rule that says you can't be on both. So it's kind of up to you what you want your business to look like. What, you know, what channels do you want to use? And I think that's, what's so fun about it. It's totally up to you and whatever you want to do, however much time you want to put in, don't want to put in, it's totally flexible. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's really, interesting because you're saying a lot of things that I've been like, I, I totally agree with. And like, you know, I've had conversations with my friends where I'm like, listen, like the way that we do work is, is done. And you know, it's not over today, but it's going to be over in three, four years. And I love what you're saying about like, Hey, get on there now, start essentially selling your services as a contractor, whatever you're doing at work right now. Great. Get on Fiverr, get on Upwork, get on these platforms, start doing it now because your job's eventually going to cut you and want to use you as a contractor. A hundred percent. No, I'm like screaming from the mountaintops. Like if you go on my social media, it's almost like Alex chill. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> guys, it's free to sign up on these sites. You know, it might not always be free if it becomes the norm. I mean, there will be so many changes that are going to come. So like right now, like go take advantage of it. I could like scream it until my face turns blue, like, please. And especially, yeah, like get on a fiber. It's great for a beginner. Um, there's less pressure than if you're working with like a $10,000 a month client. So go on Fiverr, get the experience. So you are prepared for LinkedIn in September because you definitely want to have a few testimonials and you want to feel like you're ready to get a piece of that like LinkedIn market. I know I definitely am excited about it. So yeah, I'm like, I can't say it enough. Like, please guys go, go do it. So we've talked a lot about like the benefits and all like all of the reasons why you should become a freelancer, but it's not all, you know, roses and rainbows. So what are some of the problems, some of the pitfalls or issues that you've experienced or found with freelancing that people listening can at least be aware of and be prepared for um, if they do decide to go in that direction? I 
would say it's all the downside of it is all rooted in the isolation and you are a solo actor. And I think that can be very um, exposing and hard for people to stomach at first, especially if you're sensitive or you need to always like have someone who has your back or whatever. Um, when you're first getting started, it's just you, you know, it's just you out there. You don't have the coworkers to complain to. You don't have somebody to take the fall if you mess up. It is just you and the client. There's no intermediary anymore. And I think that can be what is really hard for people to deal with. And you also, you know, you need to develop a thick skin because um, it is just you and the buyer and the buyer will at times say horrible things to you because, you know, some humans suck. Like there's nothing you can do. If you work with a hundred people, probably eight, nine, 10 of them are going to be freaking assholes. Like there's just, it's just the law. Like, you, you know, you can't avoid it. So it's kind of the mind game. There's mind games involved. Can you handle being alone at times? Can you handle criticism? Can you handle irrational people telling you you're, you suck? Can you read that and walk away from your computer and pump yourself up still and go, no, I don't suck. You know, it's more, it's mindset stuff completely. It's not talent at all. It's, um, that's the downside of it. The, the solo element to it. But again, if you get through, if you get to the other side where I am, you're so much better off for it because my skin is so thick now. You know, you could tell me my hair is so ugly on this and I'd still smile and be like, it's okay. <laughs> and it's like, that's I think not- your hair is awesome. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I mean, I've had you, I've, the things people have said to me are crazy. So it's like, I'm at a point now where nothing can get to me. And I think that's a really healthy and amazing place to be at. So I think if you can stick with it, there's huge benefits down the line, but getting there is definitely a test on your mindset. So like you said, um, you're, you're all over social media. You have a large following on TikTok. We're talking about all of these things. And you recently launched a new podcast called Freelance Fairy Tales. So can you tell us a little bit about like why did you decide to also start a podcast and who is it for? Why should people listen? Um, that's a great question. <laughs> Honestly, I just respond to all the things that these people tell me they want me to do on these social media sites. Like I don't even come up with half of this stuff and half of them come up with the names for me, you know, the freelance fairy tales. I'm like, that's brilliant. Um, I'm taking that. So the first season of it is no guests or anything. You know, it's just me talking about freelancing. What is it? Why should you care in the future of work? fear of failure, fear of success, the imposter syndrome, how to make more money, just all of these things that all, all these people tell me they want to hear me talk about because up until recently, like I'm like, who wants to hear me talk about this stuff? But these people really do. I mean, I see them on my social media, their feedback. So that's why I made it, I guess, because everyone on TikTok asked me to. Uh, and I, of course, now want to segue more into a educator type of, you know, thought leader type of role now after six, almost seven years doing this. I think it's just the natural next step for me to become more of like a coach than somebody who's um, freelance writing every day. So it kind of plays into the like brand pivot that I want to do this year anyway. I know that you also do. So we haven't even talked about the fact that you have an app called iPop, which helps people uh, find the best spots to take pictures in yes. like any city. That's really cool. You have an, another business called, um, I'm just trying to find a campfire trailers, which you renovate <laughs> horse trailers, right. And make them into yeah. bars, which is really great idea. Uh, love all of that. If people want to find out more about any of those things, or I also know that you do 
uh, some trainings around this freelance stuff. Where can people find out more about you and find your other businesses and your other courses and stuff? So I recently had a beautiful website made and launched and I love it to death and it has all of this on it because I am confusing. I'm, I'm always doing like <laughs> 5,000 things. Um, but I think the website does a really great job of like kind of organizing all of it. Uh, and it's just alexfasulo.com. Um, I don't know, maybe if you're going to spell it or something. It's my last name, like really throws people. Yeah, I'll put it, I'll put it on the show notes. No worries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I think the best, um, thing to go find. I don't have the campfire trailer stuff on that. Cause that's more my mom's business that I help her with the marketing of, but we have a great Instagram campfire trailers. Um, it's great. I mean, that's another, we've just been, it's, it's been a funny last year for us. Cause my whole family, we've all unknowingly slipped into these industries that have become even more valuable post COVID. It's mm. been really crazy. You know, I'm sure you see like these mobile bars and food trucks have become like essential for COVID regulations and everything. So we've just been kind of like, this is all crazy. You know, what is happening here, but very grateful. And, um, yeah, my mom and I, we have fun doing that. Awesome. Well, Alex, um, I know you're busy. I don't want to take up any more of your time, but thank you so much for coming by. Uh, this has been a really fun interview. Uh, and yeah, just really looking forward to seeing what else you do. And if anybody's listening, who's interested in freelancing, head on over to Alex's website. I do agree. I went to it. It's a great looking website. So uh, I'm sure you can find everything that you need there. So Alex, thank you so much for coming by. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me. 